diamonds on my neck. I like boarding jets, I like more than sex. But nothing in this world that I like more than checks. Money. All I really wanna see is the Money. I don't really need a D, I need the Money. All a bad bitch need is the Money. I got pants in the coop. Bussin' up the roof. I got pants in the coop. Touch me, I'll shoot. Bow, shake a little ass. Money. You get a little bag and take it to the store. Money. Get a little cash. Money. You shake it real fast, you get a little more. Money. I got pants in the coop. Bussin' up the roof. Welcome back, everyone, to Life in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper, the only show on the interwebs where we don't talk about anything to do with the title. Today is Monday, March 28th, 6.40 p.m. I'm just finishing up editing uh, a special episode I've got to post this week, and it featured myself, my cousin Harry, who's the... Um, the superstar of the Eskimo Bros 69 podcast and a nice little co-host of a podcast called The Old Dog New Tricks. And I'm pretty certain that this show will also get posted in one of those feeds as well. Maybe both, knowing Harry. Today's show's a little bit different. Harry was in town visiting Corpus and we sat down with a friend of ours named Heath. Heath is a uh, attorney, certified financial planner, uh, kind of a money guru. He's been paying attention to things for a while. He's seen market crashes. He's seen bubbles pop. And so he kind of offers a an older dog perspective than even myself. So if you're not interested in the stock market and finance and money and kind of geeking out on that, it might not be for you, but I'd still encourage you to listen. Who knows? You might actually learn something. So I think you'll enjoy it if you're into that kind of stuff. Harry and I had a great time. Uh, we'd spent the day before with Heath eating crawfish and drinking beer, so it was good to sit down and talk about grown folks stuff. I'm not going to waste any more of your time talking. Sit back, relax, and let me run the stock exchange for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. I like more than All I really want to see is the I don't really need a D, I need the All a bad bitch need is the KKC How does this work? Does it just lo- upload? Is it live? Do we get no, no, no? No, that would be awesome. That would be pretty cool. Is this the Life in Paradise podcast? I don't. Whatever. Are you, you recording? Want. Yeah, it's recording. Oh, okay, welcome to Life in Paradise podcast. Yeah. Or the old dog, new tricks, or wherever this thing gets posted. Maybe all three. We're here with my buddy. Are we gonna say your name, or you want to keep it secret? You can say my name. I don't. Care. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few like, hey, don't put my name on there. Yeah, I want to say some really bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. Our buddy Heath, who is a. Uh, an attorney at law, financial advisor, but this is not financial advice. No, <laughs> it certainly is not. <laughs> this he, is though buy GameStop as much as possible. Oh my god, that's, that's right, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and Harry's Absolutely here. Absolutely ridiculous. Don't forget yep. about Harry. I'm here. Here we. And so, who's the primary host of this little little event here? Is that I you, Harry? It I depends would... on where we uh, where we post it. We haven't really scripted out anything. Normally, it's just a conversation. We bring topics in our phone. We talk. There's not like a, a host and a co-host. You know, it's more just like a conversation. Gotcha. So yeah. We don't have anything scripted. We've got some notes, I think, in our phone. Yeah. No agenda. It was just kind of like, what would be cool to talk about? Bring up in in, in a lull moment. But there's no agenda or yeah script script or program. Yeah. We just kind of wing it. Okay. So yeah. wing it. Wing it. All right. Cool. Here we are. Yeah. Right. yeah. Give me like a three minute history of Heath. 
three minute, three like, minute history. You can leave out all like the childhood stuff. Yeah, just, no, I'll leave out. Yeah. The childhood <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> Unless it involves throwing rocks through windows. Then we no, I was a, a principal of a securities firm for a decade from 1996 to 2006. Went to law school, got my law degree in 2010. Um, been a CFP since 2010. I've been an arbitrator for FINRA since 2008. Um, that's pretty much it. My background's in finance and the law. And we wanted to have you on because, like, we're two idiots, and we sit around, we talk about stuff, <coughs> speculate about the market, talk about what we think's happening, and we're like, man, we need to get somebody who really knows what's going on. So I was like, I know the guy. Well, nobody really knows what's that's going on. True. I mean, that's true. But some people have more of an idea than others, right? Yeah, and we just make it up, too, just like you guys do. Yeah. If you've ever watched CNBC or Fox Business News, everybody's just making it up. Nobody knows. Yeah, everyone's an expert. That's right. Yeah. Jim Cramer knows. Yeah. <laughs> no, he does not. Okay, okay. Harry's a big Jim Cramer fan. Are oh, you? Yeah. Love him. No, oh. I don't really care for him. I don't. I don't care one way or, or the other against him. I would say. But I have no opinion one way or the other either. Yeah. To be frank with you, it's just. Uh, he's just. He's annoying. He's That's obnoxious. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> for yeah. sure. So, what is being a principal? You were a principal for securities. Principal for a securities firm. What yeah. does that mean? Well, so. Uh, Principals uh, are in an oversight capacity for uh, the conducting of securities transactions and, and sales practices and that sort of thing. Um, I, I held, so the securities industry, uh, what is now FINRA used to be the NASD or, uh, and uh, their supervisory organization, and it's an independent supervisory organization. It's a non-governmental entity, but you volunteer to be a member so that you can partake of the broker-dealer uh, industry, in, in essence. And so they have a number of licensings. Uh, you've probably heard of a Series 7 license. Um, that's your general securities broker. Um, there's a, I, was, I held what was called the, the Series 24, which is the uh, general securities principal license, so I could oversee uh, what was going on with all of our brokers, and I could... Uh, reprimand them, make sure that policies and procedures were in place. I also held a Series 27 license, which uh, is the financial and operations principal license through FINRA. Um, also held what's called the Series 4, which was an options principal license. And it just allows you to oversee the activities of the firm and make sure you're compliant with the rules and regulations of both FINRA and Securities and Exchange Commission. So brokerages have these principles or they work for independent firms like Dow or whoever well, who do they work for who who's your employer my employer was Greenberg Financial Group okay and so you're basically ensuring compliance on their part yeah it, it is a supervisory capacity that makes sure that uh, your brokers are conducting themselves in an ethical manner mm -hmm. but, but but you're internal right you're just you're working for the company checking on the company correct gotcha are they working ethically um yeah, I think so. I mean, so here's here's another thing. Back in mid-90s uh, to late 90s, they had a, a – if there was ever a conflict between a securities uh, broker-dealer and one of their customers, the arbitration panels used to be made up of three people, one of which was an industry person. Um, now – and I don't know if they've changed it since then, but – there for a while, they got rid of the requirement of having an industry person, which I think is problematic because 
many public customers don't understand how the industry actually works. And so to have a complaint um, being arbitrated by a panel of individuals, none of whom know how the industry works, um, whether they're lawyers or not, they don't know necessarily how the securities industry work, I, works is, I think, problematic. Um, I've been, I'm still on the uh, roster for FINRA, but I am an industry individual, and because they're not required to pick an indus industry individual any longer, um, I very, very rarely get appointed or, or called upon to, to serve. So have you seen a bunch of fuckery go down, like stuff that's like super shady? Um, Puerto Rico had some, some shenanigans go on. I mean, uh, you know, a, a lot of brokers were selling Puerto Rican bonds just before Puerto Rico defaulted and, and in hopes of, uh, you know, the full faith and credit clause kicking in and helping everybody yeah, well, out, no. but it, it really didn't. So a bunch of people lost money in Puerto Rico. Um, but not really. Every industry has its dirt bags, you know? Sure. Um. What I've actually seen more of are uh, individual clients who really wanted to be aggressive in their investments, and then they lost money, and they got upset with their broker for letting them lose money. Yeah. Um, my personal opinion is, you know, if that's what you want to do, do it, but don't blame someone else for sure. when it comes out. Yeah. It's like people trying to sue Robin Hood. You let me buy options. Well, I, I, they may have a complaint. I mean, if I were long or short a position in Robinhood when they started shutting down some of my access to those individual securities, that's problematic. Oh, that is sure. But I'm saying there's people that are blaming Robinhood. <laughs> They're blaming Robinhood just just for allowing them to trade options and making bad decisions and losing their money. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. You know, it... Uh, it to me, it's it, it's a whole lot like the... the uh, I, I have a problem with... Uh, the dram shop laws. Texas has a dram shop law. A number of states don't have dram shop laws, but uh, most of them do. And so I go get drunk at somebody's bar and run someone down on the street, and the bar gets sued. Well, the bar had nothing to do with it. That's my decision to overconsume at this individual's establishment. They should not be the babysitters that make sure that I am not going to drink and subsequently, you know, Cruise down the highway, overserved, four hundred yeah. miles an hour. Yeah, was that the argument? Was just that they'd be overserved. That, that's, that's what a dram shop law is: is that you overserve somebody or you don't train them properly, and so then then the uh, serving establishment can be held liable for the drunken shenanigans of somebody that does something off of site. You know, there's some safe harbor provisions that that generally keep uh, bars from getting in trouble with that if they're in the state of Texas, if if all of the servers are TABC certified, you know you kind of get a one look. It's like a one bite law, okay. <laughs> where where they don't put you down, or you, you, you get a safe harbor there. Um, there's a number of things like that that are put in place to protect the the bar. But even so, a guy comes into your bar, gets drunk, he should be liable for his his actions. I'm not pushing booze on him. I'm asking him if he wants something. I'm not holding his head and forcing it, you yeah. know, forcing booze into him. So, well, before someone can be overserved, they've got to overorder, you know. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly. That would right. make too much sense in the world we live in, you know. Yeah, everyone's yeah, got to be somebody else's yeah. fault. Exactly. Of course, yeah. someone else. Yeah, who else can I blame? Yeah. So those dram shop laws, do they apply to securities in any way? No. Oh, okay. No, not at all. Well, 
Kind of. Yeah, I mean, so we have uh, uh, know your customer rules. Uh, So I'm not licensed any longer. I'm a certified financial planner and a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Texas, Um, meaning that I am not licensed through FINRA any longer. I let all of those licenses lapse. Um, But that's really neither here nor there. You still have obligations. And as a, a registered in, or excuse me, as a, a certified financial planner certificate, and you have a fiduciary duty. So they certainly do apply. Um, so know your customer rules. You need to know who you're dealing with. That's um, pretty recent, though, isn't it? No, it's been around for forever. It was, um, I thought it was the um, the Homeland Department of Homeland Security that really no, it. no, no, no. So knowing your oh well, yeah. So you have your FinCEN uh, FinCEN uh, regulations regarding. Uh, uh, making sure that they're not laundering money or part of a terrorist organization or something to that effect. But from a compliance standpoint, you always had an obligation to know who your customer was and make sure that the investments that you are recommending for their their investment portfolios are suitable for what they're trying to accomplish. Um, So there are two standards in the securities industry, and one is the suitability standard. The investment has to be suitable. Um, and then there's the one that, that fiduciaries are obligated to follow, and that's uh, a best interest fiduciary obligation, which means that uh, uh, the fiduciary must put the interests of their clients above their own interests, which is very different from a suitability standard. But where people get in trouble is if they're applying a suitability standard and they recommend something that is wholly unsuitable, mm-hmm. or they're using a fiduciary standard and only applying a suitability standard. And so who, who has which standard? Uh, well, anybody that advises or, or advertises as having a fiduciary uh, a responsibility to their clients then necessarily does because they've advertised as having that fiduciary obligation. Um, all certified financial planners have that, that fiduciary obligation because it is part of the code of ethics with the, that you agree to adhere to when you become a CFP or a CFP certificate. Um, your general broker, your your Series 7 broker that is not regulated by the CFP board would have a, a suitability standard. Gotcha. So how often would you say that that's followed? Because, like, in 2008, there was a lot of argue, people arguing that they weren't taking their customers' best interest at hand. The banks were taking their own interest well, that's very different from a securities firm. So okay. um, what you're looking at, the, there are collateralized op, debt obligations and that sort of thing, anything re- underwritten by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Um, those quasi-government entities, uh, they didn't really, their, their mission was to try and make it as easy for Americans to own homes, which I think is admirable, really. Sure. Um, yeah. But uh, as that went down the path, you're, and I don't know how involved you guys were in that back in the day, but I was, I was building houses from two thousand one to two thousand eight, buddy. You know, uh, I Nina, was eight. Nina, Nina uh, uh, loans, no income, no asset loans. We call them liars' loans. Sure, yeah. um, you didn't have to prove anything, and you get a loan for virtually anything. I lived in Arizona during the time, and uh, I was a bit premature in getting out of the real estate market down there pretty much got out of the real estate market in 2005. Well, did you see it coming? Is that why? Yeah, but I saw it coming long before that. Uh, you know, there, there are so many things that are, were going on. We, 
we've got a similar bubble right now. Um, you can't pump trillions of dollars into an economy and not expect them to go somewhere. Things are going to rise in price. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, so now we've got houses that were selling for a quarter million dollars uh, five years ago, selling for six and seven hundred thousand dollars today, and it's not merely a matter of lack of inventory. Well, it is a matter of lack of inventory, but a lot of that lack of inventory is a result of all the dollars that got pumped into the economy sure. that created, you spike know, spike in demand. Yeah, yeah, but and and created the spike in demand of people who already own a home. They want seven more in in you know this vacation spot or that vacation spot or this where mom lives so they don't have to stay in mom's guest bedroom or whatever it is. Yeah, so you, when do you think houses, housing prices will fall again? I don't know. I, I can't answer that question, but I do expect uh, uh, interest rate increases to continue through the next 18 months anyway, um, and that's going to directly affect the affordability of housing. You know, it, yep. if if you're, you're basing your... your Prices on let's call it four percent interest rates. I think they were three percent about six months ago. Okay. Now you last I saw, the average in the United States was about four and a quarter on your thirty-year fix. So that's a point and a quarter that would come up in less than six nine months. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it's pretty significant. And if we get to five and a half or six percent, you're looking at a tremendous uh, increase in the monthly payments to support anything, which directly affects the affordability of housing. I've heard that the uh, a, a general, obviously general number, is that every every 1% increase in the 30-year fixed is about a $10,000 decrease in price. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because I don't think it's going to, you know, if, if I have a billion dollars in my pocket, it's not really going to make much of a difference. Sure, yeah, but I mean on average, just for the average person, average buyer, when, when their interest rate goes up by 1%, their buying power goes down by ten grand, give or take. Uh, it could be. Yeah. I don't know. I would think it would actually be more than that. Yeah, it could be. That's just what, I, what I've heard. What makes you say that there's a bubble? A bubble? Yeah. Well, I don't know that it's a bubble. I, well, it is a bubble, right? but it's, it's created by dollars. Um, you know, so I don't know. Remember the first round of stimulus or second round of stimulus or third round of stimulus? Uh, I had never seen so many paper paper uh, uh, tags on vehicles, as I saw right after that. Most folks, well, not, and I can't say most, but a large number of people apparently decided that having, getting money from the government was a great way to go out and buy new or new to them vehicles. Yeah. I never saw in my whole life as many vehicles running around town, and we're in Corpus Christi, with paper tags, as I did as soon as those stimulus packages started coming out. Oh, yeah. Um, everybody, and everybody was getting a vehicle. It was just very strange. And some folks who didn't even need a vehicle. I, don't, I couldn't figure it out. And I've never been able to understand what causes people to do what they do. I, ha I don't have a real good grasp of people's motivations. Because they're irrational. There's, just like the market, you know? It's all emotional. Yeah, well, and yeah. that's part of the, you know, the... the, the uh, great downfall of the, the uh, dismal science is that we assume that people ra act rationally, and they yeah. don't. No, they act emotionally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all of our sales strategies about emotions. You know, logic, but emotions pass everything through. Um, I had a question. I don't remember what it is now. Do you remember the market crash of 87? 
Yeah, I was 14 years old. I think. Okay. Did you ever go back and study anything about it? Do you, you know anything about it? Sure. Uh, my father was a broker with Edward Jones at the time, so I, I you know, kind of saw it third hand. Wasn't a main cause of it the uh, portfolio insurance that everyone had? That no, could... there was a culminations of things that were coming on there, but um, it, we just got to the point, you know, so the old saying of, I don't think Greenspan said it until the mid-90s, um, his irrational exuberance speech. I think that was a 98 speech. But things just get out of control or, or go it's too hot. They get too hot, and they yeah. do so regularly. We had the uh, uh, Russian currency crisis, I believe, in 1998. We had the Asian flu, and I, I might get the years mixed up, in 97 or vice versa. Um, those sorts of things just happen. If you remember long-term capital management, it was managed by uh, uh, a no, one of the managers, as I recall, was a, a Nobel Prize-winning economist, and it very nearly collapsed the entire uh, uh, world economy. Um, all the central banks had to come together to kind of bail us out of that situation, and uh, that was just one hedge fund back in the late 90s. Um, you had the dot-com bubble. That was completely irrational. You, did you see that? When did you call that? Well, I lost money in some of it. You know, I, I here's the problem is I owned Enron and WorldCom because I thought there is no way in hell these two companies of this massive size can be lying in their books the way everybody's saying they're lying in their books. You know, uh. that just it, the notion that you can get uh, one of the major accounting firms to go along with your shenanigans without actually you know, picking up a rock to check it un- and check it underneath it to see if yeah. there's actually a rattlesnake there was just an absurdity to me. And now that I'm older and maybe a little bit wiser, now I don't trust anybody. So right, right, right. <laughs> got burned once. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Enron was crazy. I lived in Houston, kind of watched the whole thing go down. I was real young, but I remember reading about it when I got older. I read the book, uh, Smartest Guys in the Room. Mm-hmm. Really good book. Breaks down the whole thing. You ever read it? No, I watched the documentary on it. Okay. The movie? Yeah. 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 That's good. It was yeah. interesting. Yeah. Crazy. Very simple concept, you know, just counting yeah. future earnings today. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you can't do that, guys. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, WorldCom, uh, you had uh, Bernie Evers there. You had Ken Lay. You had the gentleman. All of these were happening at the same time. I think the other one was Cardinal Health. But don't quote me on that. I, I, I can't recall. But one of the healthcare firms also went through something very similar. And it was just shenanigans, just cooking those books. Just, yeah. it, you know, it's shocking. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> that people that can get away on. with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I would expect that in the third world country. I'd sure. expect that in some of the uh, uh, European countries, maybe, particularly Eastern European countries. But uh, uh, in the United States, where there's so much regulation, yeah, it was just a bit surprising. But it also makes you wonder, like, if they got caught, how much is going on that don't get caught? Yes, but they, I mean, they were acting on such a scale that they had to get caught. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. company dirt bike trips to Africa and they're <laughs> shipping dirt bikes to Africa. Camping Turning trips. off power plants and ra- raising their prices to whatever they want. It was crazy. You know, it's, yeah, it's like a, a shoplifter walking into a store and stealing a pack of gum. They may or may not get caught. But if right. they show up with a truck and try and steal the whole <laughs> store, they're going to get caught. Sure. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, so the dot com bubble. So, did you remember thinking those internet the internet's never going to make it, or did you think the internet will be really big one day? No, I knew the internet would be big one day. Um, we even had 
you know, belief in certain companies, but there was so much silliness that was going on. Um, so, there, and a number of these companies no longer exist. Some of them do still exist, but uh, they they just got so overvalued. You, you, you can't justify uh, earning multiples that are hundreds or thousands of times what the earnings are, and that's what happened then. And, you know, I see it today, too. We're you seeing can't it justify some... it unless you're Tesla. Then you can justify it. Well, at least Tesla <laughs> finally turned the corners, had a profitable quarter, if I recall. Uh, there, but, you know, there were a lot of really good companies that, that came out of the dot-com bubble that existed well before it. Uh, Oracle, Sun Microsystems, which was bought out, I believe, by Oracle. Uh, Microsoft, all... Amazon. Amazon was kind of an upstart during that period of time. Uh, Google was just really finding its feet. Yahoo. Yahoo's a big one then. And they're still around, barely, yeah. barely around. Uh, barely. But they're who are they owned by? Yahoo's not independently publicly traded anymore. I think they're owned oh, really? by somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but my view is invest in the companies that invest in research and development that are actually developing things. Amazon does that. Uh, Microsoft continues to do that. IBM, which is old state and as blue as uh, blue the, as they come in terms of blue chips is concerned, I think it's paying about a five percent dividend right now. Yeah. You know, if you can buy IBM and it pay you five percent to hold it and it eventually hit the right the right thing, that's going to work out great. Um, companies like 3M, which have been around for forever, you know, a lot of my clients now are getting caught up in this nonsense regarding uh, uh, the metaverse. The hell yeah. is that? Yeah. And, you know, so you, you're telling me that you want to go rock climbing, but you're going to put on these goggles and do it in your living room as actually opposed yeah. to going to Bryce Canyon or, or whatever it is. Yeah. I think the people underestimate how lazy people are. Like, they don't want to be up moving around. They want, they want to be sitting on their couch looking at something. And I don't think it's People good. use treadmills versus going outside and walking. Isn't that silly? I don't know. I like treadmills more than I like walking. Because you have the I air conditioner blower right on it. in there and just, I'm home, you know? <sighs> so, I don't think... Well, the ability to quit too early is why no one ever uses their treadmills. Yeah. They, they sure. get shorter That's and right. shorter. Well, they use shorter. them to hang clothes on and that <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I... I just I don't know what motivates or doesn't motivate people. I have never been able to figure out the driving force. I don't understand luxury goods at all. Yeah. It, it makes no sense to me right. that that you'd want to buy. So, uh, for me, an example is a pickup truck. A pickup truck's a tool to do things, right? Yeah. So, I don't really see the point in having a massaging seat and. Uh, uh, all leather interior that's going to get torn up and, and everything else if I'm using it as a tool. Yeah. And if I'm not using it as a tool, then why the hell do I have a pickup truck? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Be something comfortable. That's right. Yeah. 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 We, I was talking the other day about what the Bevelin good. Isn't that something where, like, as the price goes up, the demand goes up? Is that? I've never heard that Bevelin? term. But I think that's the name for it. Like, um, like if... When the price of potatoes start going up, people will buy more because they have to have potatoes. Well, it might it might be a, like the the panic driven purchasing, but I, I people are for the most part sheep. Yeah, for sure. Toilet paper. No, that's yeah. not that's true. You gotta dude. Say. The mask. To- toilet that's not paper. True. Yeah, the mask. God. Yeah. 
Yeah, for the most part, people are sheep, and and so it, I ne- it never made sense to me that we ran out of toilet paper, and it still doesn't. I understand the the uh, differentiating between commercial toilet paper and and residential toilet paper, and how they the manufacturers had to make an adjustment since nobody was using toilet paper at the office any longer, or far fewer people, but. That's not what I saw when I walked into Walmart and Sam's Club and Costco and, and the grocery store. I saw people buying pallets of toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. For what reason? China. Because everyone's buying toilet paper. Well, China said, buy toilet paper because they didn't let us go out. And there was horror stories of people in China being locked down saying, we didn't have toilet paper. We didn't have toilet paper. Stock up on toilet paper. And so then that spread over here. And then it was just a, a boulder rolling down the hill, you know. Yeah, I just found it very peculiar. I mean, there yeah. there are all kinds of supply chain issues, and they're going to persist for a while. But the toilet paper thing was just bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it COVID showed me more about human behavior than what I ever knew or cared to know. Really, like I would rather not know what I know now. Well, and I couldn't buy ammunition, and there's been a number of factors that have affected that as well. Yeah. But yeah, COVID. Uh, increased or decreased the supply for whatever reason people just now they they had to get their whatever um ones i I found particularly difficult to get were nine mil nine millimeters 40s 45s um didn't have much trouble getting five five six stuff which i also thought was strange if they were buying it for you know the end of the world you thought the the five five six was going right but no didn't happen <laughs> well, it was so. Uh, it ain't over yet. <laughs> pricing was so elevated on it. You know, like with five five six, I think most people were just like, at least within the gun community, were like, we'll wait it out. You know, five five six is not worth a dollar around. You know, Did, were they getting a dollar around? Pretty it close. Point? Wow, pretty close. Um, That's crazy. But I also think people have been stocking up on ammo for a while. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, really, since Obama was elected. Yeah, biggest gun salesman ever, and Hillary. When I, my local gun shop still has Hillary Clinton AR-15s on really? sale every week. Yep. Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Like, dude, we bought like 10,000, and we've, we've just been selling them every week, you know, five at a time. Bought 10,000 ARs? Yep, because he's like, we didn't think we'd be able to. During the last election, he was like, we didn't know, or the Clinton and Trump election, he didn't know if. They thought they were going to ban them. So he was like, we're going to stock up and be able to supply our customers Wow. For forever. Well, he know. just wanted to price gouge. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't. Though I mean, they weren't. He's like, dude, I've lost my ass on these things. He sells them for like five hundred bucks now. Every every wow. time you walk in, there's a little stack of them. He yeah. did lose his ass on that. Yeah. yeah, but everyone who buys one of those buys a couple boxes of ammo, buys an extra clip, yeah. buys some That's accessories. True. You know? That's true. That's absolutely true. Get some a red dot Get or some a green door. dot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, they I, make I, up the I, difference <laughs> on the optics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're almost as expensive as the gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably way bigger margins too. Yeah. I get so sick of hearing this term price gouging. Like, I, I think that if Walmart wants to charge $100 for a roll of toilet paper, they should be able to. That's absolutely right. You know, yeah. Otherwise, you have lines around the building. That's you know? right. Like, just stop the rationing. This isn't communist Russia. Well, any, I mean, I think Reason Magazine has a, a, a lot of articles regarding the, the silliness of price gouging. Yeah. Or the silliness of alleging price gouging. Um, and, and in particular, after... You know, like Hurricane Katrina or what we had here with uh, uh, Hurricane Harvey or, or what have you. If you don't increase the prices to reduce unnecess- unnecessary hoarding, then 
people will necessarily be without that should or desire or sure. need it. Or, yeah, or could afford it otherwise. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah. And so if you if you buy just as an example, Brandon, you need a hundred gallons. You buy a thousand gallons. That's nine hundred gallons that you've taken out. And now I've got to pay ten times as much for it, and I need a hundred gallons. But now I can only afford four, right? <laughs> you know, or or ten. Sure. Yeah. 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 And, and even people like when the hurricanes are coming, and like, oh, the gas stations are price gouging. Like, we've got X amount of fuel left. Do you want to sit there and sell it for minimum wage? Right. No. Would you want someone else to? You know. I mean. There's a hurricane coming. Everyone's supposed to leave. You want someone to stay, you're going to pay for it. That's know? right. And, you know, most most states' laws, Texas included, uh, the price gouging laws really only apply to necessities of human life. Yeah. Um, fuel's one of those, things that, that are necessary for us to continue to function, food. Um, but, you know, housing or, or hotel rooms or that sort of thing to – Keep those down artificially. I think that's problematic. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. If everyone just bought an electric car, it wouldn't be an issue. I'll never own an electric car. Do you do you, do you want to own an electric car? No. What is it? How no. long does does anybody know how long it takes to charge one of those stupid things? Depends on how what size they are and how kind of charging setup you have. But I think if you're in home, I think the fastest you can charge them is like what, four hours or so right now? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to like the big fancy ones that you drive up to, they're like you can get in like an hour, I think. So if I wanted to drive from here to uh, San Diego. You better do some planning. And I would have to plan on stopping every about 300 miles. Is that yeah, right? Realistically, yeah. probably, yeah. yeah. And, and then I, at each 300-mile stop, I'd have to wait a minimum of an hour before I, I can move hour. on? Yeah, I think that's yeah. about where they're at, yeah, 40 yeah. minutes an hour. Yeah, If, if you can find a spot right now because there's lines at the pumps to get the, or the uh, plugs to get the – Electricity. Oh, really? you can't reserve them either. I suppose, no, huh? no, no, no. Wow. I, actually, maybe with the with the Tesla app and a Tesla charger, you can because it it knows exactly when you're going to be there. So Tesla might be able to do it, but the off brand ones, there's no reserving. Okay. Wow, I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. I could see city vehicles being electric. I absolutely could too. How? But like, how long? How long does a charge last? I know they say it's based on miles. There is no idling, but they've got to run air conditioners and that sort of thing on a city bus. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, I think we're still a long way away from having big, powerful equipment because we don't have the batteries. Yeah, right. so that's the that's the bottleneck right now is batteries. And I think once we get a solid state battery, things will probably change a little bit. I I have no problem with electric cars. I just want to see the market say when to make the shift, not the government. You know. Yeah. Well, that's been my view of everything. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure, yeah, and, and it mean, always does. Yeah, and people are like, "Well, it's the environment, the environment, the environment." I'm like, the oceans have come up one inch in like. However many years, it's worth it. Like, look how much we have. Look at all the Amazon and everything we yeah. have. Like, all these luxuries in life, just in the oceans come well, up. I mean, so are our electric cars really that much better for no, the environment? No, I don't think so, but that's your selling point. I mean, you, you, you still have to run the, the coal-fired or natural gas-fired or nuclear-fired uh, plant. electrical plants. Yeah, sure. Um, you have all kinds of... of waste associated with those vehicles in the forms of the batteries. I know that the lithium-ion batteries always say do not throw in the trash can. What oh, yeah. am I supposed to do with them? Yeah, no, they, they totally missed the mark on this deal. So they they started making all these, buying this lithium, making these batteries, and they didn't realize that they'd been, like, stockpiling lithium for the last 50 years, 100 years, and there wasn't a huge demand for it. And they would sell, like, Duracell would make some AA batteries, and they would have just enough to keep the market satisfied 
and a rate to produce what we're doing. And then now all of a sudden they're making these huge giant batteries. So people started buying lithium more and more quantities and the lithium guys are like, we're running out. And the miners are like, well, here's what, here's what it costs us to mine it. Well, the acquisition price of that lithium isn't worth it. The battery, people who buy batteries won't pay that much for the batteries. So now they're in this conundrum. They're trying to figure out how to rapidly switch away from lithium because the, the numbers don't work. And like, this is what happens when you, when you artificially create an industry. You don't think about these spillover effects and, oh, yeah, we forgot. We don't have enough lithium to make the batteries for these things. Yeah, pump a bunch of money into something and then expect that industry to grow at the same rate. Yeah. It will, it will never grow. Yeah, yeah, because you're, you're artificially pushing along the car industry, yep. but you're not doing anything for the guys who mine the fuel for the batteries. Well, let's talk about that. So what do you guys think about uh, all of these uh, uh, manufacturing firms that are getting into the, the e-vehicles, uh, Ford and Chevy and whatnot, getting these, these bonuses from the federal government, but uh, Tesla is not going to be eligible for them because Tesla is, a, uh, is not a... Uh, union shop. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I hate, I hate the government subsidizing anything, and I hate it even more when they subsidize some guys and not the others. You know, I mean, talk about picking and choosing. It's just it, it, it <laughs> yeah. is absolutely yeah. absurd. Yeah, how and, can anyone be okay with it? You know, and, and and that's the really the role of the market, not the role of the government. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I'm just waiting for them to announce their next five-year plan like Mao did every five years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's so clear to me how the government is just sinking their, their nails into industry right now. Even the tech. Have you heard of this, like, China, or what is it, America Competes Act? No. So now they're talking about subsidizing big tech so that they can compete and make chips like China does at the rate for China can make them. So they want to give all this money to Intel, NVIDIA. The State of the Union, President Biden mentioned – Intel by name like three or four times and Monday their stock bumped like four to six percent and so Intel gets that bonus but AMD doesn't yeah that's exactly right you know and so but, but what's so ironic to me is that we're creating subsidies to subsidize an industry that that can't make it because of the rules that we put in place well and as I understand it I mean the the, the ones really on the cutting edge of all of this is Taiwan Semiconductor and if I recall Taiwan Semiconductor is actually putting a giant plant I think it's in, in Arizona, um, and they're in the process of doing that. But um, a lot of the, the processing chip companies have to actually license certain, certain materials from, or intellectual property from Taiwan Semiconductor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know a lot about the chip industry. I just know that they're talking about subsidizing it. And I'm just like, why are we giving more money to big tech? Well, we've subsidized everything all over the world for so long that it's just part and parcel of the way we act. Though. Yeah. I mean, if I recall, Coca-Cola received subsidies uh, 30 years ago for, for marketing Coca-Cola in Turkey. Oh, so really? <laughs> I didn't know that. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Doesn't surprise me, man. Yeah. But yeah, government's just getting more and more involved in, in industry. Do you, I mean... <clears throat> There would be an argument to say that maybe we do need that to, to compete with a place like Russia or China. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, what I would like to see, if we're going to do something, let the government do a bunch of research and development and just give the technology out there to the market for free and say, you guys run with this. Here's what we got figured out. You guys take it and do some stuff. Because the R&D side is the part that they can't do. The companies can do the R&D side. They've been doing it for years they and can. years and years. They can, but how, okay, so how would you compete with China then 
who they're all about one. They don't compete with companies with against each other inside the country that much. They all have like collectively works so they can compete around the world. And so I was listening to some guy the other day and his commentary was if you if you could focus on competing against the world, you need to put your resources together. But in order to keep from picking winners and losers, the solution would be to create technology and give it to the companies and let them compete in the world. But the companies do that already though. I mean so how many pharmaceutical companies exist out there that were really established based on, on government grants taken care of at the university level and then moved on to, like, uh, you, are you familiar with CRISPR? Yeah, a little okay. bit, not a lot. So CRISPR gene editing um, was largely, I mean, there were a lot of government grants that went into the, the formulation of, of that science and... I think that a couple of Nobel Prize winners came out of that as well. But um, then a company was formed based on that technology or that knowledge. It's really more of a knowledge than it is a technology. I think. Right. But, um, and I don't know what the company's doing, but that's a publicly traded company now. It's actually called CRISPR. Um, and the people who developed it started the company. So the Nobel Prize winners started the company. You know, oftentimes when you do research and development at, at, at public institutions, the fruits of that labor become owned by that public institution. And if you work for a private company and you develop something that receives a patent, it actually, it, it may have your name on it, but most oftentimes the company, because you've developed it on company time, is going to own that patent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wasn't the vaccine done that way? Like all the big guys working together as a collective? I think it was a bounty. Well, that doesn't make sense because there's three yeah. three different vaccines approved in the United States and there's several other vaccines worldwide. So yeah. I, I don't know how that would work. I mean, you got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which as I understand it is more of a traditional sort of vaccine versus the, the uh, um, Moderna and... Uh, Pfizer vaccines. See, I just thought Trump had said like they were going to work together to get this. Well, I think that they shared information, information. regarding, you know, the 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 uh, the disease itself. Okay. Okay. But well, I none of it worked. Doesn't hog- matter. It was it's all, all hogwash. Yeah, all nothing hogwash. worked. It's all, it's oh, all dude, worthless. Just get your booster. You just need your fourth booster. And that's it. And that'll stop yeah. it. You're done. Are you vaccinated? No. Me either. Nope. You vaccinated? I don't say. You won't say? I won't say. <laughs> why won't you say? Because it's nobody's business. I, why do we live in a world where you can walk up to people like, are you vaccinated? And you're not their friend. You know, I don't want strangers knowing my medical situation. You have herpes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm not saying. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, it, it could be viewed kind of like asking, do you have herpes? Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, yeah. yeah. Or you walk up to a girl, are you in birth control? What kind of birth control are you on? We don't do that, you know? And all of a sudden, one day we do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't it, know. It should be called a prophylactic, you know? A, a vaccine. Well, it is a prophylactic. Yeah, That's but what the, a vaccine is. Well, pro, it, yeah. But well, we it, changed the definition of vaccine, so yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't be called a vaccine. Vaccine stops viruses, ends them, you know, makes them dead. Well, not really. It means that you've been inoculated. It means that you've been exposed to the virus in a, a uh, uh, non, what's it, infectious form. 
Right, but I'm just saying, like, they all said, well, pol- if you take, everyone's got polio, there's lots of vaccines out there that actually end, you know, virus. Sure, smallpox. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they thought this was going to do. Oh, did they think that at the well, beginning? Three times. Yeah. I don't pay much attention <laughs> to them. I think they're all morons, so. Yeah, they're all morons. Well, and here's the other thing. What is it, something like 70% of the people that actually contracted the coronavirus um, weren't even aware that they ever had it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Asymptomatic or whatever. It is. I think there was like f- five hundred kids under twenty that died of it. Were there that many? Something like that. I want to say yeah. That's nothing. It was real small. More die from probably Tide Pod challenge than. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. I. I uh, and there were so many shenanigans going on with how they were counting the deaths associated with it too. I. I. Re- and this is anecdotal, and and I don't. I can't. I don't know the accuracy of it, but I'd I'd heard that. Uh, a gentleman was in a motorcycle accident and was decapitated in the motorcycle accident and then, um, but also tested or had the COVID uh, uh, virus in him at the time of his death. And so they counted COVID as a contributing factor to his death. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I've heard that because it's liability. Like hospitals, when you, when you die, they have to put everything that they've found. Well, did you hear the, the press conference when they interviewed the, the doctor who made that call? She said, well, we, we can't be certain that COVID didn't cause him to lose consciousness and crash. So that's why they're attributing it to COVID. You can't be certain. Well, you can't be certain it did. Well, exactly. You know? But, I mean, yeah, you just say that they died with COVID. But anytime you incentivize someone to say something, they're going to do it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. You people were incentivized. Someone will. Yeah. yeah, someone will. It's the law of unintended consequences. I mean, it's just like the... The, the snake uh, problem in India, the cobra problem, remember this one? It was like a, there was a, a cobra infestation in some city. And so they like, put a bounty on cobras. Well, they started a real nice they cobra breeding, breeding cobra. Yeah. <laughs> they start, they, they've done that with rats, too, Yeah, where they just start breeding rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And same thing with COVID. Like, it's COVID, yep, they got COVID. Give, them, give me my money. Well, and that, it, that's what happened. Uh, I thought it was brilliant back in the day, too. You guys might be too young, but. 20 years ago or so, um, a bunch of folks thought a brilliant idea w- to end gun violence was gun buybacks. Yeah. And so they were guaranteeing, and it depended upon the gun back program, but anywhere between, let's call it $50 for a gun, up to $400 for a gun, right? And so uh, these folks would bring in the old uh, break action forty nine ninety five shotgun. Yeah. Get their $400 and go out and buy themselves an AR or an yeah. AK. Yeah. <laughs> I think High Point had a sim- similar scandal in California. Yeah? Yeah. They were like, California's like, we'll give you $700 a gun. So people started buying High Points, driving yeah. it over there. No questions asked. 700 bucks. Like, okay. Wow. Making home sh- homemade guns, you know, well, like that the was, pipe and nail. That was yeah. great for High Point, too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, and Keltec. I mean, you can get relatively inexpensive Keltecs too. Yeah, oh, I guarantee you, I can find guns that I could buy and sell for four hundred and turn a profit. Oh yeah. yeah, all day long, all day long. Yeah, I'll be, I'll buy all the Remington eight seventies I can find. <laughs> all yeah. day long, the the, the uh, what are they? Rough Rider single action uh, twenty two pistols. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some of those are real close. Some of those Glocks, you know, you can buy the BB gun looks real close to a real gun. Yeah. Best way to get shot. Uh, I, it doesn't make any sense that people do that. So, yeah, so what do you guys think is going to happen with the market? I mean, it'd be stupid to say it's not going to crash, in my opinion. 
Well, so here's the thing. We're in that tumultuous period of time, and a crash is, is nothing more than an opportunity. I don't sure. I don't even know why they call them crashes. I'm like, oh, yeah, yippee. Yeah, it's on sale. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this, a blue light special. But it, what is certain is there hasn't been uh, that uh, sell-off that caused angst and fear and stomach-churning uh, uh, anxiety for the masses, and you know they call it capitulation. Call it what you want, but it hasn't occurred yet. So I would anticipate that we're going to see that. Whether it happens next quarter or the quarter after, I don't know. Right? Do you think that all this food shortage stuff is going to be legit? Actual shortages? <laughs> well, I mean, what Ukraine and and Russia provide twenty five percent of the world's wheat. Yeah, is that some, some, something, something like, like that? that? Yeah, 33, 25, something like that, yeah. I mean, if, if they I've can't heard get that, but I've also heard our wheat and China's wheat got wiped out in storms. Well, there was the Iowa uh, storms uh, not too long ago, but I don't know what the storms would be wiping it out right now. I think harvest is coming up here fairly quickly. I just heard they're going to be weak harvests. From China and America. Well, it could be. And I don't the, know. And that was like the big concern with Ukraine. They were going to supply 50% or some lar- much larger number this year. Well, I don't think I'm going to starve. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do feel bad for uh, uh, countries that don't have access to that. I don't, but there's a whole, you know, like Africa is a big issue, but the entire continent's so mismanaged. There are, there's no reason that, that, Zimbabwe shouldn't be able to provide for that entire continent other than its uh, poor governance. Right, right, yeah. We could just take Bezos' money, put it down there, and fix Zimbabwe. (laughs) I I wouldn't (laughs) object to that. Bezos' money would be fabulous down there. Well, and I'm going to be real honest with you. I think about half of Bezos' money is going to those sorts of things because his wife's got it. Yeah. Yeah. Or his ex-wife. That's true, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, so going back to the market crash, I think that if we do... If those food shortages start to happen and people actually start moving away from the petrodollar, I think we could have some issues. Well, that's going to be the big one. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. If they start pricing oil internationally in something other than dollars, if yuan or, or, or one of those Bitcoin. other currencies. <laughs> You and your guy, you guys and your tulip bulbs. I just don't understand <laughs> it. I, 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 Can, will you give us a chance to explain it to you? I understand it. It's actually fairly brilliant. Uh, you know, the fact that that the money supply is limited to the 22 million coins or what have you, that it, the 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 rate of increase in the number of coins has declined significantly, that we're not going to see the final coin for, what, another 30 years or some such nonsense? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, we're still 90% of the way there. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's how these things normally happen. Um, the f- So I, I like the non-inflationary aspect of that. Um, but I use a flip phone. There's no way I'm going to be using Bitcoin for anything. No, no, And it's I, not tangible. It's not something that I can use. I'm not going to Venmo in Bitcoin. I mean, it's all a foreign language to those of us who are old codgers anyway. Sure, but no, no technology shift really happens overnight. No, and uh, here's the other thing is most people my age, um, a few people that I know have really gotten into it and they are, you know, loving it, so to speak, but... We're just not. We're not going to be the early adopters. We're no. not going to adopt it. Most of us are kind of curmudgeonly, and uh, more than likely, what I call, well, we're luddites. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I I just think about things like 
you know, I can mail a brick to Maine cheaper and faster than I could get a check there and get it to clear. You know, we need a money makeover. There, we, ha the, we have the technology to move money fast and cheap, but because of so many people are scraping a little bit, they're not letting anything change. And we, I should be able to send money to Harry instantly. There should be no, no time to clear. We don't need all these ledgers. I thought so. That's what the Venmo thing did. I mean, that's yeah, no, little money, still, dude. That's just still little money. Still doesn't clear immediately. It doesn't. Yeah. No, if it is, someone's covering the float. Venmo's covering it. You know, yeah. it's not like they're not actually moving the money. How much money do they do you move in a Venmo? I don't even know. You can't move more than a thousand dollars at a time. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been they, banned for trying to. Yeah. You've been banned from Venmo. Yeah, I was trying to send like four grand. They thought I was money laundering. <laughs> yeah. So I'm fine with I'm fine with things getting regulated. I'm fine with the U.S. having its own digital currency. But let's just let's just switch to something that's fast and cheap and easy. You don't need all these intermediaries. How well, many the Fed has. What do you the mean? The Fed has a coin. They've announced it. They have their own cryptocurrency. Well, how come I can't get it on my phone? It's not for people. It's for yeah. the back end to speed everything in the back end up. Yeah. Um, for banks, everything like that. They've announced that a year or two ago. Right. Well, and I think blockchain's brilliant. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's not where I have my beef. I think that, that the issue is um, any currency... Any currency relies upon people willing to accept it. Yeah. And I don't know at what point uh, Bitcoin would be widely adopt or widely enough adopted to be considered a true currency. And I don't think, I, I don't ever see it being an actual currency. I, I, it's called cryptocurrency, but I think it's going to be more of a store of value. It's going to be like buying gold because it's, you you can't transact quickly in it. They're slow and clunky. Okay, let me clunky. ask you this question, all right? You're Ukrainian, okay? Mm -hmm. You're trying to get out of country. Mm -hmm. You want Bitcoin or gold? Bitcoin, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Gold. Like the uh, Syrian refugees. How much gold can you carry with you? You'd be surprised. Those Syrian refugees, when they were leaving, uh, they would grab as much gold as they could and jewelry because it doesn't get, your phones get taken, everything like that, but that jewelry doesn't. Why not? And so I don't know. That's just what they do, and it's it barters with everyone. It's like a Rolex. Like that's why all the Chinese buy Rolexes. In case they have to leave, they have something that has universal value across the world. But you can convert your Bitcoin to something that has value at any time. Not if not you, not necessarily. I no. mean, what if you were in like with the way that they can shut down the internet now? You know, I, I don't know. What if you know for whatever reason they're they're shutting down internet in this location, and you're just shit out of luck. Well, they're doing that in Russia sure. right now. Yeah. Or yeah. shutting down access. I mean, I guess if you need to take a million dollars worth of gold, that's, that's a good amount of gold to have to carry around. Sure. And, uh, is it? An ounce is $2,000. There's, what, 14 ounces in a pound? 16. No, no, not troy ounces. Oh. There's 16 ounces in a pound, but there's 14 troy, troy ounces, ounces, if I recall, in a pound. All right. We got to just ask Siri. Hey, Siri, how much does a million dollars worth of gold weigh? Well, that's not the way to do it. You know? Well, <laughs> you got a flip phone, dude. We're about to take you to the future. <laughs> so uh, she says. One gold. No, this is not. Yeah, she's going to have some answer from when gold was, uh, you know, seven hundred dollars an ounce, and right now it's nineteen fifty an ounce or thereabouts. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, let's do. So, the ask her how many troy ounces are in a pound. I think it's fourteen. Hey Siri, how many troy ounces in one pound? Twelve ounces. I don't think that's right. I think it's like thirteen point nine. You want to bet? How many? Yeah, it's, is this okay? Either way. So 
So now what do we do? All right. So uh, one pound of gold, and call it $2,000 uh, an ounce, would be $28,000 or whatever, your, or your version is $24,000. So we'll call it twenty five. Okay. Yep. Okay. $25,000 a pound. A million so dollars divided by 10 two. pounds is $250,000. So 40 pounds is a million dollars. Okay, so you got to carry 40 pounds of shit. That's a decent amount of shit. It's fairly and heavy, And hope that right? no one sees it, and hope no one notices it, and hope yeah. that no one decides to take your bag from you. Sure, but if you're leaving the country... I would take, I would take like, five ounces of gold and the rest Bitcoin. That's probably what I'd do. Ten grand cash, the rest Bitcoin. Yeah, the only thing that worries me about all of that, the crypto stuff, it's just not really an asset. It's an asset online, but one EMP and we're done, you know? That's kind of my view, too. I can't touch it. I mean, I can't. what if you bought it in 2013? Would you still would you have sold it? Or would you hang on to it? I never owned Bitcoin. No, but what? if you did, right now, today, you bought some 2013, and it, it's, you've held it this whole time. Would you well, keep you hanging know what on I've to been it? Saying. What are we at now? 41, 45, buddy. Is it up back up to 45? No <laughs> yeah. kidding. Last week it was 37. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't like. I mean, I guess I have an, an issue with my net worth fluctuating 20% a day. I, I do have an issue with that. But if you'd seen it doing that from day one, you know what I mean? So I bought in 2013 at $500, $500 a piece. Wow, good you know? for you. And so I'm like, I've never sold any of it. Well, I would have sold some of it. Yeah, that's what everyone told for me sure. to. But look, look, look where I am now, you know? I guess what I would say if I were in your shoes is I would determine what I want my asset allocation to be yeah. and get it there. Yeah, but I'm going to give it some time. Like I've, I've always told myself, and it's not even quite there yet. I told myself, I'm not selling it unless I have to, or it's like life-changing from that point forward forever. And gotcha. so it's not. So if you had $8 million or received $10 million, sure. if it was worth you $10 wouldn't million, know, You wouldn't know my name, buddy. If $8 million, done, yeah. I wouldn't be this damn town. <laughs> that's you right. see me there gone. you go. <laughs> yeah, so that's, my, that's been my thing. Yeah, I mean, my concern with crypto is just that it, the government could control it extremely easily, like they do, they do in China. They, you know, they just shut it, I flip think, a switch. Well, the thing that I think the First Amendment would challenge that, because basically you're limiting people's access to websites, and we're getting close to that, you know? Very so, close, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. shutting down bank accounts, you know? Yeah. All the time. That's how they All control. The I mean, and so, you know, my first big issue with Bitcoin, or the first red flag that went off for me is when they shut down Silk Road. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because Silk Road was... The the really the Bitcoin marketplace for ever. Yeah, yeah. It was the only place you used it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so when they shut down Silk Road, that became a huh, they kind of a almost like if the government wants to, they can seek and destroy this this funny little uh, zero and one on, on play a money. Yeah. yeah, unicorn money at any time they want. I don't know if they would now though. I mean, I guess they think. It would if they had to, but now there's institutions are involved and politicians are involved. So that's right. I mean, aren't there yeah. some exchange traded funds that are, are doing Bitcoin or pre- they're getting close? Parking the market. They, they on have Bitcoin some that are. Like uh, that. They have a a trust, a Bitcoin trust that you can buy into, and they have ETFs. But the ETFs are futures. They're not Bitcoin. They're actually Bitcoin futures. I don't know why they haven't given them a spot ETF, but they give them the futures ETF. No wow. one knows why. And so, tell me about this girl that. Uh, uh, she stole however much, got arrested in New York about a month ago. Apparently the worst singer in the world. She'd used some of the money to 
You, you know who I'm talking about? I've heard about? the story. I saw the headlines, but I didn't read it. I didn't yeah. read anything into it. Did you? I don't know anything about yeah. that. I saw the headlines. But, but how did I, So she managed to steal it somehow. Yeah, so you can, you know, it's just like if I knew your bank account password, I could get it, right? But the thing is, people are, some people are careless. You have to have, you know, if someone guesses your password to wherever you're storing it, that's access without actually having what's called the private keys. So private keys is just a 24-word phrase that allows you to unlock the wallet where that Bitcoin is. It's stored the, the Bitcoin never actually leaves the blockchain. All that leaves the blockchain is the ability to open the file location where it is. And so some people will have their Bitcoins, they call it stored on an exchange, where basically it's just the, the exchange owns them, and you can access your, your little account value through them. And if you lose that password or information, then, then it's just like stealing your money from your bank account. Yeah. But actually hacking into the blockchain to steal them off, of, you know, to move them within the blockchain is not, not feasible. You, if you lose your password, you're done. You can't recover it. No one right. has it, you know. Well, have you heard about that guy who got his uh, thumb drive stolen? Not stolen, but the guy hacked into it for him. He's like, dude, I lost the password. I got $2 million worth of Bitcoin on this. This YouTuber was able to crack into it. Really? For a hard wallet, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't understand how a lot of it works, but from what I gather, what I've heard, you can't, I don't know. So do you remember, um, what was it, a year ago, year and a half ago, um, one of the, the uh, energy companies was hacked into? And they shut down all of their ability to deliver energy until they paid a, uh, a ransom. Yeah. And then the FBI ultimately was able to track down who, who or at least some of the players in that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how any of this works. I'm, I'm really an ignorant. They can put tracers on it, right? They can put tracers on it. So you can, the, you can go to any wallet and basically look and see what's in it. You know, everything's public information. You just don't know who has access to the wallet. So you can, they have identified famous people's wallets based on the transactions that these people have made and bragged about. And they're like, oh, this is his wallet. He did this on this date. He posted this. Oh, because he, this he bought this. this. He, we see that he bought it. This is where this see, money you came just from. See, yeah, you see Bitcoin. All you can see is Bitcoin coming in, Bitcoin going out. And he's like, well, look, he bought Bitcoin in this day. He put it in his wallet. He's bragging about it. Brought this much. He was the only, this was the only transaction that happened that day for that value. You can search every transaction any time. You can follow. It'll just show you a ledger. Boom! As as money as things are changing around, you just don't know who has access to them. There's also services for washing Bitcoin. For yeah, yeah. I don't even on know the dark what that web. Means. It's like money like washing money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. same yeah. thing. Yeah, um, it's like they take eighty per, or twenty percent and they wash Bitcoin for you. So if I if I illegitimately came into some Bitcoin for whatever reason, how do you illegitimately come into Bitcoin? Ransom, whatever. hacking into accounts like Coinbase stuff like okay. that. Um, People would you, you can infect someone's computer with a virus and then demand they pay in Bitcoin to, to release it. I've seen that yeah. nonsense. They tried to do that to me one time. Just let them have I just, it. No, I rebooted the computer and then uh, before that they were able to regain control on the reboot. Um, there was something I, I looked it up on a different computer how to do it. And oh I yeah. Locked them out. <laughs> yeah. My lawyer got his hacked, and uh, they wanted five hundred thousand and told him to kick rocks. That's what I tell him too. Yeah. The FBI was just like, we'll eventually get them. Like we can see everything, but. Yeah, where they get you is on an exchange. So they'll, they'll identify it. They'll say, okay, this is the wallet that has it. These are the stolen Bitcoins. And they'll just watch them move around. And then the second that they go on exchange to get tr- turned into bank money, that they can, they'll, they'll nail them. They'll nail that person. Because that's all KYC now. So they can float around and move around in an ether. And that's what I've always said is once you can buy and sell things, it becomes an actual 
exchange of value, that's where we'll have problems. But for right now, no one's using it to buy things. So you got to convert it back to dollars to, to make right. it worth it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't see it becoming an actual currency. I don't. Yeah. Bitcoin I, itself won't. I, but I think there will be a USDC. I think it'll be a US dollar currency that's backed by the Fed that will be, it'll operate on the blockchain. It'll be non volatile. Why, why would you need to do that? I, I just don't even understand why. I mean, the, the they're going to continue to control the money supply. I just in, think for efficiency, just for efficiency. But they can do that now by wire transfers or ACHs or, or whatever. But what does it cost me, just $25 to send a bank wire? Why? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> so why should I pay $25 when I could send Harry a billion dollars in Bitcoin for four cents, you know? Yeah, I don't know why it costs money to do that. Because there's people that are scraping money to yeah, make sure that it's safe. Yeah, because banks have to. Whatever. I mean, they, the brick and mortars have to have the brick and mortar. You know. Yeah, I mean, the the notion of being able to write someone a hot check should have been dead in the '70s. Like, I should not be able to write on a piece of paper, give him money, and him go to the bank, and then it could clear and then bounce. Like that's so right. Archaic. The very yeah. notion that you could cut a check today is an absurdity. I yeah. agree. Yeah. And it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Yeah. yeah. We have yeah. people bounce checks for $70 kegs. Shit. I'll write a check knowing like, all right, we're not gonna get the money till Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. You but buy time get the check Wednesday. Yeah. 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 I will not do that. I won't either. Yeah. I'll tell them <laughs> you'll, get, you'll get it on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Just made me make sure. Yeah. So that's why I think that the Fed will switch over and to try to prevent people from creating their own little black market of doing that. You know? Right. So, so what happens to Bitcoin if, if uh, the Fed does that? What happened to gold when the, when the currency became you know, not pegged to the, the gold? It's just well, still there. Yeah, but do, so what, until, until Nixon, gold was priced at, what, $35 an ounce? It was a fixed price of $35 an ounce? Yeah. Couldn't get it out of the ground for that, so of right. course it was going to go up as soon as it was, it was no longer pegged. Right, right. Well, you know? silver has like paper silver, and it keeps it it keeps it down. They just print paper silver. What are you talking about? <laughs> paper silver? Have you never heard that term? They, they used to have silver certificates. Is that what you're talking about? It, paper silver, essentially, like the the price today does not match the supply out there, because the government can just kind of say, "All right, we owe you this, we owe you this, we owe you this on silver." So there used to be what's something called a silver certificate, okay, and it was an actual currency. And uh, on the silver certificate, they're collectible today. They look just like a regular a regular dollar bill or five dollar bill yeah. or what have you. But it says on there, um, in addition to being uh, tender for all debts, public and private, it says on there that this bill is redeemable for $1 of silver at your local Federal Reserve Bank or $5 or whatever it was. Yeah, is that what you're talking about? Sort of, sort of. The problem is just that, so there was a squeeze on silver in, I don't know, the 80s or something. You're talking about the Hunt Brothers when the Hunt Brothers took over? They said, we're going to buy up all the silver. They did. They cornered the market. And then they, the government came in and said, hey, you can't do that. That's correct. And they started, like, what they did is they put a fake supply of silver out there, essentially. Well, there's no fake supply of silver. Silver is silver. Well, they it's probably printed the notes that you're talking yeah. about. No, 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 no. Those notes paper. that I were talk- it was talking about were printed in the 30s, 40s, 50s, I think. I don't know. There's a whole movement on it right now. People saying, we're going to squeeze silver, and they're buying and buying and buying as much silver as possible. Well, I mean, silver, at least it has uh, some decent industrial uses, kind of like palladium and platinum have decent industrial uses. Um, if I recall, silver is actually more conductive of electricity than gold is. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, know. I've heard silver is better to keep now than gold, just because it's you can the cost to get in is cheap, and the use it's being used in. It has technology. greater industrial uses, yeah. yeah. But in uh, you know, it was tremendously used back in the day for photography. Yeah. Yeah. And um, X-rays too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. So go going back to your million dollar problem, you got twenty five. Let's call silver twenty five dollars an ounce. Right. Okay. Yeah, good luck carrying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to you have to carry what a hundred times more or eighty times more silver than you would gold for the same the same purchasing power. Yeah, this isn't necessarily about bugging out. It's more just like, hey, fuck the banks. We're going to buy as much silver as possible and force the price to have to go up. Oh, that I mean, and it hasn't. That's the problem. They're like, there's it's a, a whole twenty-five dollars an ounce. A couple of years ago, it hit hit in the mid thirties. Uh, when the Hunt brothers did it back in the eight or mid eighties, it hit forty dollars an ounce or very close yeah. there too. Um, I think Michael Burry even said he was like, "There's going to be a huge spring." They've tightened the coil on gold, silver, and and I think palladium, and there's going to be a giant spring on it, and it's going to skyrocket because it's been uh, pushed down so low artificially. I don't know how it's being pushed down low artificially. I can go out and buy it anytime I want. It's a, it's like the silver certificates. The government's just printing silver. You can't just print silver. Silver's a, a metal. I know. That's what they're saying, though. They're saying the commodity, if we buy the commodity silver, like a token, uh huh, the banks have to quit lying about how much they have because there's a limited supply, and so they have to quit lying about what they have, but they're, they're able to just say, basically write IOUs. On silver, the yeah, government is. I, our, so we're we're no. I mean, we're a fiat currency now. We have no mandate uh, to to hold any gold or silver or any other precious metals to support our currency. Our currency is supported exclusively by the production, the GDP of the nation, the, the intellectual property of of the country, the, the the hard assets in terms of you know national resources and that sort of thing. And that's all. And it's backed by military might. And the other thing it's really backed by is the fact that oil is priced in dollars. And yeah. if we lose that, if that, those, the, the, the reserves that, that all of these, these nations hold in dollars so that they can conduct business regarding oil and energy transactions no longer is necessary. They no longer have to hold those those dollars or dollar-denominated assets, and they can get rid of them. Yeah. And wowzers, our dollar promptly falls because we're not going to suck up those dollars fast enough, and the in- current interest rates at next to nothing will have zero impact. It, so it, does that just a... work? Does that just work basically because those dollars that were locked up in in some other country's bank now get shoved back over That's to our right. country, and the, yeah. and the inflation just and so they're holding these reserves. I mean, China's the largest holder of U.S. dollar-denominated reserve assets. Um, they could collapse our economy unilaterally by just putting everything on the market. Can you imagine if China said, okay, we're not buying any more U.S. debt, and on top of that, we're selling all of the U.S. debt we currently hold? Yeah, right, right. Did you? That's what Putin said the other day, that that is going to happen. I hope not. That's just what he said. He's like, look, they've... The, what do you say? The U.S. canceled our debt. They're no longer going to pay the debt to Russia, and they're canceling all of that. Like the all of these reserve currencies, the U.S. as a reserve currency is going to be spent on food and actual assets, and it's the end of the U.S. dollar. Right? I mean, it was a yeah, long something lines. like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, 
to say that it's not going to happen is kind of foolish. Like, it could. It could very well happen. Every, every time, fiat yeah, currency no, died. Every fiat currency has gone to zero. We've, we've been operating on this in, in the general concept, largely since Bretton Woods, um, which really created the system under which we've operated globally as a global economy since uh, just post-World War II. Um, if there is significant changes to that, uh, the U.S., and the U.S. hegemony and, and its ability to influence and all of that is going to go by the wayside tremendously because it's really based on the dot. Look, our in power and influence is based on two and arguably three things. It's our military might, the fact that people like the dollar because so many of the assets worldwide are per, uh, uh, based on the dollar or priced on the dollar, and in uh, Hollywood. Yeah. Really? Why Hollywood? Because it influences the world. Um, you, it, you, very rarely do you hear about a Chinese movie, uh, people lining up for a Chinese movie. But you can go to any foreign country and have watched people lining up for uh, uh, the Star Wars movies when the final Star Wars movies were coming out. Yeah. The United States is, is a definer of culture. That's why... Uh, you go to France or Italy or something like that and because of, of their own sense of uh, arrogance or superiority or what have you, they have problems with some of that. So you, you know the term lingua franca, right? No. Uh, that meant the, the, the language of the world, and it means the French language. Okay. Well, that's become English, and so the French have a hard time swallowing that. Um, but you go anywhere in the world... You'll find for English speakers. Yeah. So, this is a little bit conspiracy theory, but it makes me wonder then if the reason that Hollywood has gone so politically correct. They haven't a, gone. They've been there the whole time. Sure. Okay. But countries like Russia, countries like China, do not support that at all. Um. Not only that, China now has the largest navy on Earth, and they're talking about they're talking about exchanging oil and yuan. Yeah, no, that's um, the problem. That would be the biggest issue right there. Yeah, well, all three, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all three that are three, crumbling. Well, yeah, I'm not worried about the size of their Navy. I mean, Iraq, when we invaded or when Iraq invaded Kuwait and we subsequently invaded Iraq, Iraq had, what, the third largest army in the world? They fell in six weeks. The yeah. entire country was decimated. Sheer size doesn't do anything. You know, that's... Uh, I mean, we're watching it right now with the David and Goliath stuff going over on in Eastern Europe. It, the mere, the sheer size of the Russian might doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to prevail over uh, uh, home-based individuals with superior uh, uh, guerrilla weapons. Training and yeah. skills. Yeah. yeah. Vietnam. Sure. Afghanistan, Iraq. Yeah. yeah. Home team always has a huge advantage. Yeah. Well, and I mean, <laughs> Afghanistan is a great example because... Russia went in there, got their asses kicked, and then, you know, we decide, okay, well, 20 years later, we're going to give it a shot. Still a bad idea, folks. Yeah. Still a bad idea. <laughs> so how, do you th how bad do you think this crash will be? Oh, I don't have any idea. I, it, it, it's like the, uh, uh, I can't remember who it was, but one of the Supreme Court justices uh, said about pornography, I know it when I see it. 
yeah. I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure they have a contingency plan. You know, we're all like, well, we, we, we could crash, it could crash. And they're like, yeah, it may crash, but we have this that we're going to do, you know? Hopefully they do. I couldn't imagine them not having some kind of contingency plan. Well, if the market crashes, I'm not worried about that. No, at I'm talking all. about the dollar. I'm talking about the dollar. Oh, crashes. well, that's a whole different story. Yeah, that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Um, the only way you can support that is you start sucking those dollars out of the economy, and the only way you can suck suck those dollars out of the economy is going to result in much higher interest rates. Much higher interest rates. And how do you suck just just by raising interest rates? How do you suck dollars yeah, out? Yeah. So do you guys know how money's made? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Tell me how money's made. They push a button on the computer and adds a bunch of zeros. No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> no, when interest rates go down, people borrow more, spend more, invest more. How do they do that? Grow. Though? How does who do what? How do the people borrow more when interest rates go down? Not not why, but how. I'm going to move your bike a little closer. How do, how do they borrow more? Yeah. Go to a bank and they send you to borrow money. So are you familiar with reserve requirements and that sort of thing? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Fractional so, reserve lending? Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're at about 10%, right? Meaning you have to retain 10%? About 10% for every dollar you loan out. But really that multiple becomes next to nothing because for every deposit you get another 10%. Your chair's squeaking over there, buddy. So if I give you, if you borrow $100 from me, you deposit $90 in a bank, a separate bank, that bank can now loan out $81 of the $90 because mm-hmm. I've just loaned out $90 of the 100 that re- Okay. So on. So they so raised on. that. They so did they raise that threshold a lot. They could. They they, I thought they did. But no, it's still 10%, as but, I recall. And that only applies for loans going forward, right? You can't, like, you can't just recall a bunch. Like, only if there's call features in them. Yeah. Maybe yeah, they no. did with Wall Street. I think they, they raised um, what Wall Street had to do because there was a concern, or they did before COVID. Or during COVID, and banks yeah. had a ton of cash. Yep. I don't know. I have no recollection. Yeah, no, they did. You're yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because they I'm were worried about pumping that much money into the economy. Yeah. Well, they didn't worry very much about it. No, it didn't last long. <laughs> no, the government spending doesn't cause inflation. Yes, it does. <laughs> That's not what our president said. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, Harry, Harry, I like the fact that you said that with a straight face. I, you actually caught me off guard for a moment. I, was, I thought, oh, my goodness, we're going to go out back and hold this guy down. <laughs> That's what yeah. he said. Yeah, word for word. Yeah, the, the, you've heard of these new monitored monetary theory people that think that... Oh, they're crazy. That inflation crazy. doesn't matter and dollars don't cause inflation. Yeah. Meanwhile... Uh, who was it that said inflation is everywhere and always? Oh, Milton Friedman. Uh-huh. But yeah, don't expect them to take any recommendation or, or any advice. From or, that guy. Yeah, yeah, from Milton Friedman. But yeah, it is always a, a, a monetary. But yeah, and here's the thing: you're you're asking me about when these different assets are going to go up or down or what have you. I, um, was it uh, so Benjamin Graham? I think it was who said that. Markets have the ability to remain irrational much longer yeah. than you have the ability to remain solvent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're on within a few months. I think it's done. I think we're going to crash. Well, there's got to be some kind of catalyst. I think it's the supply chain slowing a lot of stuff down. Um, I'm worried. I'm going to find out Monday. I'm worried cities aren't paying their bills right now. Um, and I have a few other co- – because we're getting – Slower and slower payments instead of 30 days. It's from municipalities. 35. It's from distributors who have insanely large, you know, unlimited money to pay their their uh, vendors. And I think that it's getting lower and lower and lower. Are they saying they're not getting paid on time? No, I haven't asked yet. Um, I just thought about it the other day. 
So I'm, I'm worried that cities are running out of, of money uh, to continue projects that were supposed to be going on because the cost of everything has just skyrocketed. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, they have <laughs> pretty easy access to, to G issuing GO bonds and that sort of thing based on a vote. Have you guys had any municipal votes regarding uh, whether or not additional bond issues should be had These cities are like broke. That? So Corpus Christi is a great example. Under consent decree, Corpus Christi will probably spend a billion and a half dollars in their sewer system. It's so terrible. Tyler, Texas is under consent decree. Houston's under consent decree. Dallas, Fort Worth is about as close to With it as you can state? be. With the federal government. Wow. EPA. For EPA, for the sewers being out of whack. The problem really? is they cannot get any more bonds. Um, now, Dallas, Houston does decent. I think Dallas is okay. Shreveport, Louisiana, we've spent half a billion. Cannot get 10 million more. Um, so they're talking to EPA about how to figure out how to get more cash. It's just going to come from the federal government. They can't keep printing money, though. And the, I well, think the well federal they can. I think they've proven to us that <laughs> yeah, they absolutely yeah. have the capacity to continue to print money. Sure, but you have, like, almost the entire state of Texas, the entire state of Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, needing probably trillions of dollars to fix their infrastructure. So the way I, the way I address that is get rid of the EPA. <laughs> you can't put Harry out of a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, hold on, chill out. You're act, you're talking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's gonna protect the environment? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the EPA was. Cre I, I don't think it's that wouldn't be a terrible idea. However, cities don't. That wouldn't be a terrible idea if cities were initially taking care of their stuff as is, right? But they're not. Yeah. A consent decree comes down because they say you have neglected your sewers oh, so yeah. bad. In your water system so bad that we now have to say you have to fix this for the, the civilians. For the safety and well-being of, of, of your community. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but maintenance doesn't get people elected, you know? No, that's no. right. Yeah. No. Yeah, well, and that's it. I mean, it would, uh, I can't remember which one of the old poli-sci guys said it, but, uh, you know, essentially bureaucracies become a life of their own. They exist yeah. in the absence of people, which is yeah. fascinating. That's why the uh, the ratio of government employees to citizens has remained the same since 1913 to today. So all of our increase in technology, all of our advances in efficiency, we haven't been able to cut humans out. We're still the same ratio. Why is that? Because we're in a, the government's inefficient. They don't seek efficiency. They just add bodies and they don't take anything away. They don't replace things. We send a freaking car to house every day with paper in it. Every house has a car drive to it from the federal government, the U.S. mail, you know? So when I was at the University of Missouri, you know, I was getting my law degree. I also was teaching um, for the, the CFP program. And I remember kind of being part of, but on the outside, a, a discussion regarding the budget for the department. And I said, well, you guys could save money here, and you could save money here, and you could save money here. And, and uh, I was told at that time that you don't want to save money you got to spend every nickel of your budget so that you can get an increase next year. Sure. Because failure to do so means that they're going to cut, cut your, your budget, budget next year. So do not be looking for ways for us to save money, Heath. I was actually reprimanded for it. Were you like, this is the wrong place for me? Yep, yeah. that's it. Yep. Yeah, that's a common issue uh, with us and our products. It's like, hey, this is, an, this is an asset. So you buy this, it turns tenfold. You can get a loan on this tenfold. You're paying $100 now. Like, city of Houston... The reason that they're able to get so much cash, we were a big portion of that. Like, 
You're putting this work in, getting an asset. They don't care about that. They're like, why would we save that much money? You know, and so we have to turn our sales into like, well, what could you do with that? What could you do with that money? Well, we could build this park. Okay, you know, that gets you elected. You know, the parks, the hospitals get you elected, but the the mentality of cities, you're 100 percent right. Like they don't they don't care about saving money. You know, it's all about yeah. spending. It's very strange. To well, me. here's what here's a dead giveaway. When you put traffic tickets into your project, your next year's budget. Yeah, that's offensive, right? Yeah, it should yeah. not happen. We shouldn't be budgeting for traffic tickets. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like they say that, yeah. as in revenue, ticket, well, actually, ticket revenue is a line item in city budget. I, if I recall, it happens a lot in Louisiana. Probably that so. doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So yeah. what they actually put uh, uh, tickets and violations and that sort of thing as part of the city revenue, so that they can use that as the budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. I, they, I know we have to get inspections every year, every two years, and it, I asked him like, "What is this for?" He's like, "Oh, just see if you have insurance or uh, what else registration. If not, you get a ticket." What, for your car? Yeah. Yeah, Texas does every year. It's crazy. It's one of the last states that has a damn vehicle inspection. You can't re-register your truck or car for the next year until you pass an inspection. Yeah. Yeah, we're the same way. Every two years. You guys have that as well? Yeah, every two years. Yeah, and ours is every year after. Unless you buy a new vehicle, then you get your first two years. You don't have to do it for two years on the new vehicle, but then every year thereafter. You know how many shitty cars they've gotten off the road? Zero. Zero. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You drive I-20 from Dallas to Shreveport, and there's 100 cars on the side of the road. Yeah, broken nope. down. Yeah. yeah. And when I lived in Arizona, Arizona uh, required inspections only in two counties, and so a lot of people uh, would register their vehicles in other counties. So I th- if I recall, it was uh, Maricopa and Pima County were the only two counties in, in Arizona that actually required emissions testing and all of that sort of thing, where the rest of the counties did not. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So all that did was encourage... People to register their cars in other counties and pay the registration fees in those other counties, Uh which is you know, that's crazy. Yeah, the 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 law of unintended consequences is always fascinating. You can't hide from it, you know. You cannot hide from it, and that's what I tell people all the time when they're saying we we need to push for electric vehicles. I'm like, something will pop up. So so this is a big game of whack a mole. You know, you knock this down, and when you force things to happen, you're going to have a lot of unintended consequences. Yeah, especially when you have a government who can just pump money in. Yeah. You know, and they don't care. I mean, that's what happened. It was a big, it almost turned into um, a fist fight within the city of Shreveport because they spent $500 million, and they wanted 30% fair share, so minorities. Woman, woman-owned, black-owned, veteran-owned, 30% mandatory. Well, Shreveport did maybe $10 million a year, now they're, what is that, 10Xing that, 5X, 50Xing that, and they want these companies to scale to that same level. So there was a huge issue between these contractors saying, hey, we can't keep up with the work, and, and they're having to charge much higher prices to get new jobs. And the non-fair share companies saying, they're charging way too much, we're losing bids, so what's, what's important, cost or fair share? The city wouldn't answer. Um, but there was no, like expectation they just expected these companies to be able to scale you couldn't i couldn't scale i don't know anybody who could scale at a rate that fast mm, yeah overnight i mean it's like overnight you know yeah, not maintain profits no and i just i i really don't understand that sort of uh, quasi quota system it, it it i would say take the best bid you know yeah well, it, what a foreign concept. You know, <laughs> you, you, if you're coming to put a new roof on my house, I'm going to take the best bid. I don't yeah, care. I don't if, care what you know, color your skin is or how you pee. Absolutely not. I want the best roof How many roof times have house. you turned down somebody from turning in a 
of putting in a toilet in your house because he was black. Never. No. Yeah, no. None. Nobody. <laughs> Did it for 50 bucks less, of course. Yeah, do it. Yeah. I, uh, I well, I, <laughs> it, it just doesn't even affect, come into my my thinking at all. Yeah. Right. You know, it, yeah. it's it's so foreign to me. If you can provide me the service at the, at, at the quality I'm seeking for a price that's better or a higher quality for the, the, what I'm looking for, let's go. Let's that's it. it. Yeah, you I don't know? care who you have sex with. I don't. Know? I really matter. don't. I don't. Yeah. Now we got the Katenji Brown, whatever name it says, she don't know what a woman is. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. I know she doesn't want to get involved in the politics. Here's the thing, to be real honest with you, and, and uh, as a libertarian, so she, she is so far afield from my political beliefs and really my interpretation of the Constitution. I'm a lawyer, um, so I have, I believe, uh, uh, some basis in understanding or what have you, and have been practicing for the better part, or more than 10 years at this point. No, right at 10 years. Um, but she is qualified. She is qualified to sit on the bench. Um, you can't denigrate her qualifications. You can certainly denigrate uh, her views, her political views, her, politi- her, her uh, judicial opinions, that sort of thing. Um, but in the logic that is the left... It's her her views are relatively mainstream. Did you do you remember Pizzagate? Sure. Are you talking about uh, uh, where the cabal is, where the the Clintons the molesting? Yeah, the molesting. The Clintons were blamed. Okay. Did in, you know DC? that she was the judge on Pizzagate who said that this is all fake and not guilty? Well, that's fine because and now that's she's still crazy. Now it's she's been appointed to Pizzagate is still crazy. Chill out. Mm. <laughs> there was a lot of connections on it. That oh make sense. my goodness! So okay, so let's just say are, it was do we have crazy. the QAnon folks here. Are you guys going to QAnon me here? I did follow it a little bit. Yeah, I did follow it a little bit. I did follow it a little bit. All right, tell you, so I know nothing about it other than than some of the crazy nonsense that I've heard. So QAnon me. I'd, I'd, I'd be thrilled to get an education on this. I can't help the you. That's the Pizzagate. The Pizzagate thing was so. I don't. I, the problem is, there's so much that happened with all, everything that I don't really remember a lot of it. Um, with Pizzagate, but my memory of it was that there was a there's a pizza store that essentially was harboring sef- sex trafficked children for elites, and the thought around that was because there was, well, I think Alex Jones was the first to kind of expose it, and he was talking about it, and then people started going in, and there's there was a lot of like really weird coincidences, like there would be like Macaulay Culkin was singing a song there talking about having sex with children. And and everyone's clapping and cheering and and I, there was a lot of weird coincidences that was like this something about this isn't right. Um, oh, oh my goodness, Harry! I think that this is an utter and complete insanity. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I remembered more of it, I, I'd be like, this was you know. So you think the Clintons are above anything super shady? They're probably good people. Oh hell no. Okay. Yeah no no no. But of all the ones to go with. <laughs> The Pizzagate one's not the one that well, I would go Well, even with. if there was nothing to it, they still rewarded this judge <laughs> for siding with the Clintons. Well, she yeah. didn't. I mean, she didn't even get to appoint a judge. No, Biden no, 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 did, no. and Biden's... Uh, you, don't think Clinton, you don't think Hillary Clinton saw a stroke around the White House? You don't think they have any power around there? What was the name of the guy that got killed, in, shot in the back of the head or, or what have you? During you the, Epstein? No, 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 no. Uh, back during the uh, Clinton administration. There was like twenty five. Yeah, I think, I think their body list is like 
30 or 40 people, including a dog. I mean, there was all kinds of shady stuff that was going yeah. on. I, um, I remember watching some sort of uh, uh, quasi-documentary about the alleged drug trafficking coming in from Mexico and landing at the airport outside of Little Rock while he was governor, something to that effect. I can't recall exactly. I mean, I think that there were all kinds of shady things. And the fact yeah. that, that Clinton was um, arguably uh, a good friend of, of Mr. Epstein. Yeah. He was yeah. on his flight logs. Sure. Yeah. Birds yeah. of a feather flock together. And yeah. I saw Epstein's uh, uh, island is for sale now. Yeah, oh, 125 really? million. Is that right? Brandon's going to get his Bitcoin. <laughs> <you're> <laughs> I, I remember when guys went to go video it, like after he kind of got caught, and uh, they came and got their ass. They were on a boat circling the island, you know, kind of videoing it with a drone, and, and people came out and, like, scared them off. There's huh. an entire tunnel system, apparently, on the island. Well, that sounds like a heck of a deal for 125 yeah. million. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, dude, what a strange bunch of people, you know? Yeah. I, that whole thing, the whole episode is so beyond bizarre, I just can't even. It, it, I, I'm i stupefied by it. I'm dumbfounded by it. I, I. That's why people don't believe it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. so hard to believe that that's why people don't believe it. You know, it, that's like when that's like the only shady thing that happens, you know, like there's probably lots of stuff like that that goes on around the world. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, think about whenever a neighborhood pedophile gets caught. It's never like, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, oh my god, I had no idea. Like, no, I, I think I think you every know? once in a while, people are like, oh, I always found that dude to be a bit creepy. Yeah, I, I, I know. Every once in a while, oftentimes, right? like when dudes have chicks chained up in their basement, they're like, we had no idea. That that dude on the video yesterday. Dead giveaway. Yeah, it's yeah. a dead giveaway. Yeah. What's the uh, dead giveaway? When a. Uh, White lady is running into a black man's arms. It's a dead giveaway. Something's not right. <laughs> That's what he was saying on the news. Yeah. Well, all well, I know is that those stories are nutty and increasingly nutty. Um, but Epstein I, is clearly true. Yeah. You know? And Alex Jones talked about it 10 years ago. The Epstein. Yeah, but Alex Jones also said that there was no shooting at a, at, the, at the elementary school up there in Connecticut, too. So. He apologized. <laughs> yeah, only because he got his ass sued off. Sure. <laughs> but he's been right. A he, lot. Yeah, he has been right. He called he's, COVID. I think he's been right more than he's been he wrong. He called a war in Ukraine almost to the day. He's been right a lot. Yeah, that one wasn't hard. Was it? <laughs> he called it a year or two ago, saying, like, in, sometime in, I want to say March or February, there's going to be a war going on. Next in year. Ukraine. I don't know if he said Ukraine, but he was saying in Eastern Europe. Well, that's always a good bet, is it not? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, throughout our lifetimes, or at least my lifetime, it's always been a good bet that something was going to flare up in Eastern sure. Europe. The difference, I would say, with him, though, is a lot of times he's providing articles. So a lot of people don't go past his personality in the sense it's like, oh, he's just a crazy man. You watch a show, though, and he's sitting here explaining, like, you know, they're, they're putting stuff in the water, turning frogs gay, right? Everyone's heard that. People think it's crazy. But then he's showing you an article on mainstream media showing that fluoride is causing frogs to t- start turning gay and transitioning. And it's on, like, turning MSNBC. Turning gay or becoming transsexuals? I don't know. Probably turning transsexual. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. But he's been right. He has yeah. been right. It's, yeah. not, it's not a secret. Dude, the, I mean, the whole Bohemian Grove thing is crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. So what made Alex Jones big was he was saying that there are Republicans 
flying into some part of Southern California, and they're making fake sacrifices to this uh, owl, Moloch. People are like, you're fucking crazy. You're crazy. He's like, no, it's in Southern California. Like, it's well known. So he snuck in, and he recorded this in the middle of the night, some weird ritual going on where they're talking about a, a well, not a real sacrifice, but they're using something for a sacrifice. I can't think of what the word is. Um, an idol? An idol, yep. There's like a little for this like owl. baby or something. Yeah, it's like a fake baby for this owl. And he I don't know what that means. He busted up in there, caught a bunch of people yeah. and participating in this weird-ass ritual. Well, so I, it, there's, but there were senators. Like, I think Nixon was in it. Yeah, there's, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. and, and it's an annual event that they have for the, all the CEOs and, and uh, higher-ups. So you're government. thinking about Bilderberg or yeah, whatever. Bilderberg, yeah, Bilderberg. The closed oh, meeting. Yeah, the, that's what yeah. I'm thinking about. Yeah. Build, oh, this was some Bilderberg. S- yeah. <laughs> some, some super secret cult thing that wasn't like... He he was asking one guy, and the guy's like, you need to get out of here. Yeah. He's like, well, tell me some information about why you're here. He's like, you're not welcome here. You need to go. Well, you guys get long. You guys travel down the conspiracy theory road a little bit. That's where he leads me. I let him do the, the legwork, and then I kind of follow the blazed path. I have a rule. It's like if there's more than three, uh, what's it called? Uh, coincidences. Something's not right. If you're telling me a story and there's three coincidences, I know you're full of shit. <laughs> and it has never failed me. Really? <laughs> really. Like, yeah, anytime I start hearing a story and it's like, and coincidentally this happened. I'm like, well, how did you time that right? You know, there's never, it just happened. Second coincidence, third coincidence. Like, that's, that's a lot of coincidences. I like a coincidence. I do too, but three, <laughs> four, five, six, seven, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot of chess pieces to be played right. That doesn't mean it's impossible. Well, it's like the Ukraine right now. You got both sides of the media and both sides of the island in politics pushing the same agenda. Something ain't right. Every government in the world, every private bank, every private company has now disavowed Russia at the same time. Yeah. Starbucks says we're shutting – Starbucks, one of the largest companies in the country, says we're shutting down every Russian store tomorrow. Uh-huh. And are, are companies willing to eat all this money on the sake of moral high road? Well, so uh, there's a few questions that you have to ask. The, the first being – is the company going to have to eat it, or is simply the? I mean, are these franchises, or are they company-owned stores? I don't know. Does Starbucks even franchise? I don't know the answer to that. Well, McDonald's, McDonald's is one of them. They're sixty billion, sixty million dollars a week. Yeah, and but McDonald's they franchise. franchises, so yeah. they're just yeah. they're just telling all their franchisees, "Sorry, sorry, buddy, you're but, out of luck." But, but they also own the land. Well, I don't know if they do in Russia. McDonald's is the largest real estate company in the world. I don't right? know if they do in Russia. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, but either way, McDonald's still losing out on something. I mean, you, you pay a cut to McDonald's for using their brand. Sure you do. Yeah, yeah so they're missing out on something. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't think these companies are just taking more IRA. I think they're, they're either getting subsidized on the back end by Uncle Sam or the bit, they're losing money, one of the two. No, I don't think either of those things are happening. I think that really if, if that's what they want to do, where would you take it from? If, if there's a money issue there and you said, okay, we're going to lose this money, where would you take it from on a deal like this? What do you mean, who would lose money? McDonald's? Yeah, no, where in, in your corporate structure would you take the money from? I'd take it directly out of advertising. Yeah. Because this is advertising. That's what it is. Right. It's, it's, it's moral, uh, what do they call it, virtue signaling, yeah. moral signaling. Right, right. Sure, but to get all the companies together, I mean, it's kind of like, was it? The, I don't know if it was the Proud Boys or what conservative were they? They're like, all right, we're just going to ban. It. it was like within 24 hours, they were banned from every social media platform within 24 hours. Yeah, Michelle Malkin 
You know who Michelle Malkin is? Sounds familiar. I know the name. Um, Asian American woman. She used to be on Bill O'Reilly all the time. Um, she went and spoke at an auxiliary to the CPAC and Airbnb, if I recall. And I again, there's been so many stories I've read, but uh, if I recall correctly, Airbnb banned her from further renting Airbnbs. Yeah. And then they ended up getting banned from a whole bunch of other things as well. Yeah. Because she spoke at this thing. And they, they alleged that it was some sort of white supremacist auxiliary of part course, of, yeah. of it's CPAC. Always white supremacist. Yeah. Apparently, I mean, just me waking up in the morning makes me a white supremacist. So <laughs> I, uh, which yeah. is really unfortunate. I yeah. abhor that label. but If you're white, yeah. you yeah. are. And middle-aged yeah. male. Overweight, yeah. middle-aged male. I mean, that's... I'm straight and straight. Yeah. And, completely, and married one time, never divorced. Oh, you got the whole oh, list, yeah. dude. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, a, I'm about as bad of a creature for society as could possibly exist. Yeah. You can take the Q, LGBTQ, you can take the Q, questioning. Oh, is that the question? I thought that was queer. I think it's I thought it was queer, but it may be. It changed. It could have changed. I okay, started putting you can, B. You can take either one because no one can really question it, you know? Yeah, I started putting B. What's that, bye? Bye, yeah. I don't have to prove it, Yeah. you know? I don't have to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to say? Prove it? And I'll be like, you know. <laughs> prove it. Sure. Sure. I thought about doing that for a uh, become disadvantaged business. So here's here's the thing that, that I found very interesting. I, and I'm going to have to get out of here pretty quick. But um, do you guys know who Laverne Cox is? I, I know the name. I really know the name Laverne Cox. So looks like. she's a, actually a very good actress, and she was on uh, Orange Is the New Black. Okay, and she's yeah, this yeah. transsexual that was on Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yep. the heavy okay. set one, the heavy set the one. Big, oh, she's the, not really heavy set. She's it was just the a big, big black tall girl. Oh, yes, the, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she's a transsexual. Open. I'm not saying anything uh, that's questionable here, um, but she is doing the commercial. To celebrate Women's Month, and she chose to be a man. No, she, she she's a woman. woman. Okay, she's, okay, I mean okay. she chose to be a woman, but you know she didn't give birth. She didn't. All of these things that are are part and parcel of the two uh, x two x versus x y dichotomy. Yeah. It, she hasn't had. She's gone through her own stuff, you know what have you. But it, she is the one that is representing or is advertising for. Women's Month. Yeah. Do you guys know who Rachel Dolezal is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine if she was the (laughs) spokesperson for Black History Month? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the same. Yeah. It seems very similar to me, and yet, wow, the, the, the difference in people, the way people would view that is just shocking. Yeah. Well, people are so scared to blame someone who's like part of a minority. Because they will be labeled as a racist. So you can no longer criticize someone who falls into a, a, a category that's been marginalized. Because then that makes you against that category. But you can't be a racist if it's based on sexuality. You can't be one. I'm, I'm just saying as an example, not racist, but like you can't criticize someone who's marginalized, whether it's race, gender, whatever. You cannot criticize them. Yeah. Because then that makes you part of the team that hates that group. 
it's a it's a phenomenon that's just it's crazy. Uh, and like, um, uh, uh, who's the Kardashian? What was that guy? Yeah, name? the greatest male, greatest male, athlete, greatest male Jenner. athlete in the history. And what's his, what's what's the name now? Caitlyn. Caitlyn. Um, what would they do if Caitlyn Jenner was the voice of Women's History Month? She was the woman of the year. And is not gay, not attracted to men, only attracted to women, and still believes in traditional conservative values. Wait, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. People were pissed. He, so he was wait, going wait, off wait, about wait, the wait, swimmer. Wait. Okay, talk to me about this now. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> so not attracted to men, only attracted to women? Yep. But also wants to be a woman. So yeah. a transsexual lesbian? Yeah. Wow. With that's, extremely that's, traditional conservative values. That's getting to hit all of the, the right spots, isn't Ran it? Ran as a Republican in California's governor. For the governor. I knew that. I knew that. Yeah. Actually, you know, if you take away the sexuality, or you never take away sexuality, but if you take away all the, the, the hoopla associated with it, um, she is really not that far off in terms of political views. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd take her over Gavin Newsom all oh day my long. Gosh, dude, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a game show host. Right? Yeah. 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 I think Don Jr.'s wife was his ex-wife. Yeah, I remember. Guilfoyle. Some Kimberly Guilfoyle, his ex-wife. Oh, yeah, she was kind of hot. Yeah. Yep. I heard I she mean, was a bit of a freak, too. I'm sure oh. you are at that, at that level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's only one reason you get married to a governor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The crazy ones always are, they say. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know what else I got for you guys today. Well, man, you can jet. Yeah, yeah. you've given us two hours of your valuable time. So. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate enjoy it. it. I appreciate Welcome you back guys. Anytime, this was fun. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool, yeah. buddy. All right. All right. And that will wrap up this hour and 40-some-odd-minute-long episode of Life in Paradise. Starring me, Harry, and Heath, the main money man. I appreciate you listening. Life in Paradise podcast, the only show on the interwebs that sometimes does pre-recorded outros. I'd like everyone to go out there, have a great week, learn something about money, teach someone about money. And remember, money is not the root of evil. People controlling money is the root of evil. Money can be used to do just as much good as bad, so don't be afraid of it. Thanks again for listening. Keep it tranquilo.
Thousand.